am I rightster or am I wrong? Can we please give people their flowers while they're still here to smell them? Don't wait for them to go away, retire or die. See LeBron James. Clay Travis and his college football herd immunity take was absolutely silly. Analytics in sports are very valuable, but manalytics matter more. And the MVP of the NBA, that voting needs an overhaul. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment. This is the intersection where sports, business, pop culture, and society meet the truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door. Because they will get hurt. Because this ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or social justice warriors. And absolutely no BS because I keep it 100 Make sure, please, that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching it on YouTube, leave a thumbs up, subscribe, and of course, leave a comment. And most importantly, share with a friend. Tell a friend about the show, text it to them, email it to them, drop it in a DM, however you do it. And if you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, which is a college football podcast, and Fox Sports Radio, Sundays 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, 5 to 8 Eastern times, and of course, weekdays filling in. So we're going to start with giving people their flowers while they are here with us. Because the idea that we're going to, like, it's very easy to to talk trash about people and we spend so much time in life trying to tear people down, be critical of them. And granted, that's part of my job being critical, but there's a difference between uh, criticizing an athlete in that moment in their sport, what they did and the actual person. See LeBron James, because it's very easy for us to not appreciate people while they are here. Because in sports, sometimes you are forced to choose. You're forced to choose like, oh, Jordan or Kobe, Kobe or LeBron, uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, Tim Duncan, uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. I mean, like that's where you're forced to choose sometimes. So you don't always appreciate those people. But it is important in these moments because players like LeBron don't come around very often. So it is important that even if they are playing against your team, that you may hate that team, you may hate the player because he's not your type of guy, but you can still respect his game and give him his due and not be a hater. You don't have to because the game needs people like this. Because if you were a Knicks fan back in the day, you hated Michael Jordan. Understandable. But you had to give him his flowers. Instead of waiting for the game to go by, waiting for him to retire, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, damn, that dude was good, boy. I love watching him. Love playing against him. Love when my team played against him. Because it's important to notice that because these generational type of players don't come around very often. You don't have a three-time champion, three-time finals MVP, 16-time all-NBA player. 
six times all defense, rookie of the year, um, person who came in with all this hype. Nobody in pro sports history has ever come in with more hype than LeBron. And he also not only lived up to it, but exceeded it. I know that there are going to be some people who are listening to this. Oh, George, you're a LeBron sexual. You from the church of LeBron. No, that's not true at all. I just realized what I was doing and realized that I needed to change it. That I needed to do something different because I was a guy where I said you had to choose one or the other. It was Kobe or LeBron for me because I was a Laker fan, huge on Kobe. I love the Mamba mentality. Like, that's my dude. You know what I mean? And then you had LeBron James come in, hot shot. You know, he's the king. He wants all his praise. All this. Granted, he had been tremendous. I didn't like. I was like, oh, well, he's mentally fragile. He shrinks in some of the big moments. All of this. All of that was fair, fair criticism. But then when you look at how he's grown up before our eyes, no public scandals, all of the, I mean, the the decision was not a public scandal. It was just a, a decision that people did not like, but he's been good out in the community, regardless of whether you agree with all the things that he's done. He has been an advocate in the community, much like a Muhammad Ali type where people didn't like it in the moment, but then he's praised so much on the back end. Once he gets Parkinson's, you want to parade him around in, instead of, when he was on that pedestal at that time. So I was a person, nah, listen, LeBron's good, not all that you guys say he is. But then when you look at his maturation as a man, maturation of his game, 17 years, and he's still the best player in the NBA. Not even close. And he's been the best player in the NBA for the better part of his entire career. So it's important for us to, whether it's in sports, whether it's LeBron James, whether it's Tiger Woods, Venus and Serena, who are kind of headed out right now. You look at, you know, I mean, even Tom Brady, give him his flowers. You look at in, in any sport, give them their flowers, give them their appreciation. Same thing works in your family. Same thing works with a teacher, a coach, whoever it is. You can be a person who has another squad, who has another uh, allegiance, or that may not be your type of guy, but you can still give them their flowers, even if you are forced to choose, because it's important for us to realize at the same time, like, yo, like I'm being a hater right now. I am truly being a hater and don't appreciate it because I had to realize that for myself. And I hope you guys do as well. So give people their flowers. Next thing up. So a tweet from Clay Travis elicited a response from me. Normally don't get too far into the outkick crowd. Uh, I don't get into the outkick articles. Don't get into the click meal that it has become. But he said something insanely that I thought was insanely stupid today. And apparently people who follow him, some the people who commented a lot of them, they can't read because so here's what it was about. Baylor versus Houston, the football game, got postponed mainly for contact tracing and not for positive COVID cases. So here is what Clay tweeted. This is why, by the way, teams are advantaged by having the entire team exposed before the season starts. 
You don't have to sit out for contact tracing if you've already had the virus and recovered. And my thing was, I read that, I was like, God, this is dumb. Like reinfection is possible. It's not very likely so so far because they think that the antibodies last up to three months. And but it is possible. And the increased, but increasing the risk of having negative outcomes to your heart or brain or any other issues is silly. And herd immunity doesn't work when reinfection is possible anyway. You are smarter than this. He comes back. George, college athletes are more likely to die of the flu, car accidents, murder, suicide, alcohol poisoning, and drug overdoses this fall than they are COVID. If they don't want to play, then they don't have to. And this is the, when I get to arguing with people about this, because people forget that I said that the Big Ten, that their plan to come back was a, the best possible way to do something risky. And that I would be on board with my son playing under those protocols and that guidance, provided he wasn't like Panay Sewell and, or Trevor Lawrence, a number one and number two pick, then I'm wrapping him up in bubble wrap and we're going to go get this money. So, and my thing was, I was like, you're moving the goalposts. That when he was advocating for herd immunity to play college football, like that's silly because focusing on deaths is not the answer. Like I keep telling people, people keep focusing on how many kids are dying, how many kids are dying, they're not dying in college. It's not all deaths. The problem is this. We don't know all the short-term and long-term impacts. The scientists don't know. The doctors don't know. So blindly advocating without what he likes to use, facts and data, is silly. Like, it's just a convenient argument to just go willy-nilly and do whatever the hell you want to do and put people's lives at risk when you don't know. Because it's not your kid. Like, it's really easy to, to prance somebody else's kid out there when you don't know. And the problem with with outcomes of COVID is this, is that they're not binary. It's not whether you live or die. Infection could lead to other things, which we don't know. So you don't have to believe that it's the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing in the world, because based upon people's replies, I noticed that some people aren't capable of critical thinking. And that's where I would say that the uh, right or wrong listeners that you guys thrive at is that the point is the idea of intentionally exposing people in an attempt to build herd immunity to play football when we don't have all the info of the long term consequences is stupid. I did not say that trying to play ball with the Big Ten plan, which I talked about on the last podcast was a bad idea. I just said it again. I would sign my kid up to do it with that plan if he wanted to. Come on, man. Like we we have to be willing to critically think and not just point out one piece of the argument. Yeah, hey, George, you're scared. You're a Corona bro. Come on, man. Like, no, I'm just actually, instead of looking at one set of information, when I know that there's so much left, I mean, the history tells us that diseases and infections, that they have a short-term effect, but they also carry long-term lasting effects sometimes. So come on, man. 
That's silly. Um, next thing up, analytics. Good God, dude. Like we get beat over the head all the time with analytics. And if you guys are like me, you guys are like, you're like, dude, if you don't quit telling me about these damn analytics, I'm going to fight somebody because analytics matter. But you, but the thing about them is, is that you have to look, is that they only matter when there's a huge sample size. If you tell me, you know, I play, I beat, I'm better than Michael Jordan because I beat him in the game of horse one time. That doesn't mean I'm better than Michael Jordan. If I say I beat him one in a, uh, if, if we played a hundred times and I beat him a hundred out of a hundred, that's a bigger sample size. We play a thousand times. He could turn around and win the next 900. Like you have to have a bigger, big enough sample size. And when it comes to series in sports, because in, in sports, they have so many people, so many data scientists and all this using all this data. And yes, over the course of 82 games in a season in basketball, 162 in baseball, 16 in football, analytics kind of average out like you like they they work they give you a set of data and especially when you add years and years on top of it things make sense and you have a better idea of what's going to happen the only problem with that is when you break it down to a seven game series or a five game series in baseball or one game it's not enough data it doesn't always average out so if you are the Houston Rockets, who are just so analytics driven, then they say, okay, if we get up 53s a game, this, 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 we'll win more games than we don't. This is very true. It works. Like the, the math and the data says it. But when you break it down into a the, the, the micro in seven games, you can have a couple games where you shoot poorly. You, you have three games where you shoot poorly at the end. Like they went 0 for 27 against the Rock, against the Warriors a few years ago. It happens, man, because all these things average out. And in the short term, without a big enough sample size, your analytics can go wrong. And that's why the analytics matter more. Because you take these analytics and you use that data, you input it in, and then you look in a dude's eyes and you're like, nah, man, that dude is checked out. He just got in a, I heard him on the phone. He got in a, got in a fight with his, with, it, with his wife. I could tell he don't want to be here today. I can look at the picture and say, oh, man, he's tired. He doesn't have anything left. Or I can say, oh, man, the, the data says pull this guy out in the seventh, seventh inning. He shouldn't throw more than 83 pitches. Shouldn't shoot. This guy shouldn't play. His plus minus say, says this. But I'm looking at the game flow, and I'm like, yo, he's killing it right now. I'm not pulling him out to put my superstar or this other dude back in because it doesn't make sense. I'm looking at it. So you have to take the data and the science from analytics and then add the human element into it because you can look at a player's body language as a coach when you know him as a person and say, oh, man, that dude ain't got it today. Or I see something in his eyes like I see he's ready. That doesn't mean that you go completely rogue on the data, but sometimes you got to say, mm, damn the data. I see what's going on with my own two eyes right now. So do not let people convince you that analytics matter more than manalytics. Manalytics are the answer. 
that is a combination of the analytics and human judgment. Come on, man. Like, that's why they don't let, let yourself drive. You, you still got to be there to back up. Um, and my parting shot today is about the NBA MVP voting. We talked about this a few shows ago, but Giannis just got voted MVP today. And it was just, I was just so confused. Like, I'm, I've really been debating about this. So how does it make sense that the last four MVPs, that their teams have not had a chance to win a championship? And that goes into giving people their flowers while they're still here. If LeBron James has been the best player in the league, pretty much all at least 12 of the 17 years he's been in the league because Kobe was fading out at the end. How on earth can you tell me that he shouldn't at least have six, seven MVPs? Because we have greatness fatigue, which, which we talked about already. That, we, that the uncommon then becomes common. And we're looking for an outlier. We're looking for the new pretty thing. We're looking for uh, Westbrook's triple doubles, Giannis's unbelievable dunks, not being able to shoot, hardness, step backs, and just ability to take a billion free throws. I mean, this dude's made more free throws than he has shot attempts. That's not normal. And that I mean that's not, I didn't say taking free throws, made more free throws than he has shot attempts. I mean, we have to pay attention to this and not just look for the new sexy thing who has a great season, an outlier. No, let's appreciate the consistent greatness that we get every single year. Because it would take LeBron James having a, a, a 30 point average, leading the league in assists again. I mean, think, think about this. Next year, if he averages 29 points, leads the league in assists with over 10, it averages nine rebounds. Everybody's gonna be like, oh yeah, nice, nice season. But then you have, you know, Damian Lillard have an outlier season that just goes ham. Who are we gonna look at? They're gonna give it to Dame. And when these guys have no chance at a championship, the Rockets haven't had a true chance at a championship. Hence why they're always trying to search to do something wild and new with these analytics. Same thing with the uh, the the Bucks, knocked out early in the playoffs every year. That means you don't really have a true chance at a championship. Same thing with the Thunder with Westbrook, getting knocked out in the playoffs, barely make. You don't have a shot. So let's appreciate what we got, and maybe we need to rethink this vote. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment and share with a friend. Peace out. Catch you guys on Monday.